Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Becky Brown. I'm one of the associate pastors here at First United Methodist Church in Waynesville, North Carolina. You're about to listen to the sermon from worship this week. You can also watch this service online through our YouTube channel. You can just search FUMC Waynesville on YouTube or join us in person at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. every Sunday. Thanks for listening, and we hope this sermon challenges, inspires, and invigorates your faith. May God bless you. I think it was about 20 years ago, I decided to get my concordance and my Bible and look for all of the places in the New Testament where Jesus actually gives the reason uh, for his coming. Like his declared purpose statements is what I called them. And and there's quite a number of them. Uh, Some of them are in Luke 4, Jesus says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. I was sent for this purpose, he says. Uh, In John 12, uh, Jesus cried aloud, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me should not remain in the darkness. I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. In Luke 19, this is the familiar story of Zacchaeus. At the end of the story of, of Zacchaeus, when Jesus is getting a little pushback and a little criticism, he says, for the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. In Matthew 20, it's that story where the disciples are kind of like, it's the who's the greatest in the kingdom conversation. Um, Two of the brothers say, we want to sit one on your left, one on your right when you come into your kingdom. And so Jesus says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And the clincher, to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to give his life away. Jesus dies so that we can live. He sets us free. Jesus sets us free from all of those things that you and I are unable to free ourselves from. The power of sin stuff. And it it, it comes in in, in many shapes and forms for us. Um, uh, This darkness that grips us so tight, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Well, And then this is the thing. Uh, It's when I give up my life, uh, when I surrender and and let go, like that's when I truly live. Uh, And and that's the paradox of our faith, isn't it? Uh, Jesus says, uh, you know, those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake, that's when they find it. Uh, He he also talks about a a grain of wheat. You know, when a grain of, of wheat Uh, falls into the earth and dies, unless it does. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. Uh, But if it dies, then it bears much fruit. So uh, there was a group of whale watchers on on the beach, and and, um, they they noticed that this baby whale was, was caught in a fisherman's gill net. And they were really concerned about this baby whale, and so they became like a, a, an environmentalist group. Um, they got in a little boat and, and they went out to the baby whale and they were really uh, afraid that the baby whale was going to become so exhausted that it wasn't going to make it. And so they got a pocket knife out um, and they started cutting through the net. Um, and finally, they got the whale free and, uh, and, and off it went. But it didn't go away. It, it hung close to the shore. 
and just began breaching the water and, and, and splashing the water. It was dancing for over an hour, uh, as if to say thanks to this group of people uh, who set it free. It's like when you've been set free, live free. Well, well in our text today from John 10, verse 10 is another one of Jesus' declared purpose statements. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so I was curious about um, this abundant life. Um, what exactly is it that, 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 that Jesus is saying, what, what exactly is this life that Jesus is saying he came to bring us? And so that Greek word abundantly is parisos. It's translated abundantly like in our text, but it also means superfluous or extraordinary. And I'm sitting with this concordance, and I'm like, what kind of life is that? This, this life that, that, that Jesus came to bring me and you. Like, how do I live this abundant, superfluous, extraordinary life uh, that Jesus gave his life for me to live? Well, in, in our text, it's a pretty familiar one. There are two images um, of Jesus in, in John chapter 10. One is of the shepherd. Uh, the shepherd enters into the sheepfold and encounters the sheep. And the, the other one is a, a gate. Uh, Jesus says, I am the gate, um, and you know, you've got to enter through me. Um, but if you notice in our story the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd, like it's a, a very intimate thing. The, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. The shepherd calls the sheep by name, and they follow. Uh, the shepherd leads them out, and, and Jesus says the shepherd brought out his own. Like, they, they belong to the shepherd. Um, they belong together with him. Uh, so, when you read the story, one of the things that you realize, what Jesus is, is, is getting after, and what he reveals what God is after, uh, is, is knowing. It's this relationship. And it's, it's knowing and not just knowing about. And, and there's a big difference, you know. In fact, driving over uh, to, to get here today to film this sermon, we passed Jose's taco truck. Nick says, I've never been to Jose's taco truck. And I'm like, what? You've never been to Jose's taco truck? I was like, oh my gosh, Nick. You got to go to Jose's taco truck and you got to get the veggie burrito. It's the most amazing thing that you could ever put in your mouth. It's like real pinto beans and avocado and onions. And there's this green sauce that they put on the side. And they pan fry it. Like the tortilla has this melted cheese that's been, that's been fried crisp, you know. And it's an experience like no other. You have got to go to Jose's Taco Truck. Well, I know Jose's Taco Truck veggie burrito. Nick only knows about the taco. He could come to you and say, oh my gosh, have you heard about Jose's veggie burrito? But he doesn't really know it. And what Jesus reveals is this truth that it's not about a, just us knowing about God and about Christianity and about our faith. It, it's actually knowing it. In fact, there's a couple of, there's a couple of passages of Scripture um, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 7, 
I forgot to mark these. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, listen to what Jesus says. This is, this is in his famous Sermon on the Mount, near the end of it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, meaning the day when God comes and sets things right, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. And I look at that list and it's like, uh, these are church people. Like, I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons. I did all these deeds of power. I did all these good things for you. And at the end of the, the day, Jesus says, I didn't know you. Um, go away. And, and, and later on in John's gospel, he gives the definition of eternal life. Uh, in, in John 17, it's Jesus' great prayer. You know, we have the great prayer that's the Lord's prayer. Uh, but this is, this is at, at uh, the time when, when Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he gives the definition of eternal life. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, um, the, the important thing about living this abundant life um, is about knowing Jesus. So, Robert Waldinger is a psychiatrist, and he's also the director of the Harvard Adult Development uh, study, the Harvard Study of Adult Development. Um, in this study, they started with the question, uh, what keeps us healthy and happy throughout life? Like, what is or what makes a good life? And Dr. Waldinger uh, talks about a recent survey where millennials were asked, uh, what are um, your primary goals? What are your major life goals? 80%, 80% said, uh, to become rich. That was their primary life goal. Another 50% said um, to be famous. And there is this um, leaning into work um, so that we can achieve uh, more and more and have that purpose. We're given this impression that in order to have a happy life, in order to have true fulfillment and joy, we've got to go after these things. Um, so uh, this study is actually pretty amazing. Um, Robert Waldinger says that it's the, the longest study of adult life that has ever been done. At least he thinks it is. It's been going for 75 years. He's the fourth director of this study. Uh, it started back in the 1930s. 724 men agreed to this study. Uh, they've been studied their entire lives. He says of the 724 men, there are 60 of them still alive, and they're all in their 90s, and they're still studying them. So in 1938, they started tracking two groups. The first group was a, a group of, of young men. Um, they were sophomores at Harvard College. And this was, uh, when they graduated, most of them went off to serve in World War II. The, the second group, of, of teenagers, 19-year-olds, uh, um, was a group of boys from Boston's uh, poorest section. These kids uh, lived in the, the neighborhoods that were, you know, inner city, the, the most troubled, disadvantaged families. They, a lot of them lived in tenements and, and oftentimes with no running water. Um, so the way that they studied them through all of these years was... Um, 
They would uh, fill out surveys, they would call them every two years, they would do interviews, sometimes they would be written interviews and mail-in interviews, sometimes they would go into their living rooms and interview them, they would, they would interview their kids, they would video them having uh, serious conversations with their, with their spouses, uh, they would do physical exams, they would do blood tests, they would do brain scans. Uh, it was just very extensive and they had tens of thousands of pages of information uh, on, on these men. And this is what they learned. And the lessons that they learned weren't about wealth or fame or working harder. The clearest message was good relationships keep us happier and healthier. Period. It turns out people who are more connected to their family, to their friends, to their community, uh, they're happier, physically healthier, and they live longer uh, th than those who aren't as well connected. Uh, than those who um, are alone. So we're fully alive when we're connected. And for us, and what we learn from uh, Jesus is we're fully alive when we're connected to the shepherd, when we're connected to the sheep, uh, when we're connected to each other. A person is fully alive when someone knows their name. So the other day, Matthew Blackburn stopped me on the sidewalk. He says, hey, have you ever read George MacDonald? And I, and I said, who's George MacDonald? He's like, oh, really? You don't know George MacDonald? He says, that happened to me when I went to England. Matthew went to England, and he says everybody that he talked to as he was getting John Wesley tours and stuff, was like, hey, have you, have you you've read George MacDonald? What about George MacDonald? And he said, they were like, who's George MacDonald? He's like, George MacDonald. Like, he's the guy that C.S. Lewis claims to be his master um, and, and, and mentor. I'm like, okay, I'll read George MacDonald. Chapter 4 of the book that Matthew gave me from George MacDonald is entitled Life. And George MacDonald says, We are made for love, not for self. Our neighbor is our refuge. Self is our demon foe. Every person is the image of God to every person. And in proportion as we love that person, we shall know this sacred fact. The precious thing to the human soul is every other human soul. We're better together. Thanks be to God.